Europe started drinking coffee around 1600s. Do you know what they were drinking mostly before coffee hit? Predominantly water and alcohol. And they drank more alcohol because the alcohol was safer to drink. Here comes coffee and upper to replace that. All of a sudden, it's like this fog lifts. They have never seen caffeine or caffeine to this extent. And you eventually then get into the Industrial Revolution. This is the time that we would call the Enlightenment period or the age of uh, reason. And some would even argue that this age came about because of coffee and maybe tea, which is kind of cool. Want to learn more about that black magic elixir we call coffee? Look no further. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee Company. Coffee 101 is your complete knowledge base for all things coffee. Listen to the show, and you'll be able to make phenomenal coffee at home. Know what the heck your barista is talking about at your local shop, and troubleshoot basically any coffee dilemma in the world. If you haven't listened before, I recommend starting at episode one. It's not too many episodes removed from this one, but start there and build your coffee knowledge. On the show today, I am joined by my good coffee friend, Jonah Holland of Unfiltered Coffee Company, and we are going to have a two-part episodes or chat about coffee history. So you'll want to listen to this because we're going to go from everything from the myths of the origins all the way to where we are with coffee today. So Jonah, welcome. Kenneth, thank you so much for having me on the show. I I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk about the history of coffee with you today. We're happy to have you. And you told me something just a second ago before we came on air that shocked me. You said that until this week, you had never heard the story of how coffee originated, which some would say was with Caldi. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I had never heard the legend of Caldi, which is uh, often considered to be the first discovery of coffee. Well, not 100 percent proven. The legend of Caldi uh, states that in Ethiopia, uh, a goat herder Uh, was going along with his goats and noticed that they were particularly energetic. And uh, some legends even say that his goats were dancing after eating a coffee berry. Caldi then tried the coffee fruit for himself, noticed that his heart rate started to rise, and he started dancing with his goats himself. He had to share this discovery with someone else, so he then went to take it to a local priest, who then saw it as a work of the devil. He didn't quite like that uh, energetic coffee fruit that uh, Caldi had brought to him, and he threw it in the fire. He didn't like it one bit, but then they started to notice the aroma from it. And there you have the first ever roasted coffee bean. They then pulled it from the fire, threw it in water to cool it down, and voila, that was the first ever brewed cup of coffee. Boom. That's where it came from. Do you do you believe that? You know, I, I'm not if, not sure if I 100% believe it, but I want to, because, Kenneth, a lot of people don't know this. I actually grew up on a goat farm. So the idea of my love of coffee stemming from my own history of goats, I love that idea. Well, uh It is probably a myth. Um, They have looked into this, and there probably wasn't somebody named Caldi. Um, But you'll see in 
coffee packaging, uh, even these days, and even there's a company called Ease Coffee uh, where you'll see like the goats as part of the icon. Um, and, and basically what it comes down to is they were trying to, whether that was the coffee traders or whoever, over time they were trying to kind of whittle it down into something that was easy to remember, but there were probably part truths in all of that. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, as far as like coffee itself and where it came from. And tell me where it like grows naturally. Where does coffee come from? So as the legend would state, it was discovered in Ethiopia growing from plants. That's right. And so that is the birthplace of coffee. So you have the coffee tree or coffee bush that grew in the wild there in Ethiopia. And they've even found these days that uh, when they look back historically, it probably was also in the wild in a little bit of South Sudan as well, which is right next to just, uh, I guess you'd say, west of Ethiopia. Um, And that's really where coffee came from. Uh, We don't have in history a specific, uh, this is when the coffee cherry or the coffee bean uh, actually, you know, got made into a uh, brewed coffee. Um, And we'll get into that in just a second when we start talking about Yemen and uh, Turkey. Really, Let's back up a second, Jonah. The the coffee itself is a originally a cherry. It's a it's a fruit, right, from a tree. Mm-hmm. And you have the seeds, which are um, the coffee beans themselves. And around 1450s, the dried coffee cherry was starting to be exported to Yemen, and this. They, they used it for a drink that they called Keisha. And they likely did not separate out the seeds. So have you ever tried cascara? So I actually haven't, no. Okay. So it's I've tried it before, and it's basically um, the it's a tea made from dried coffee fruit. Um, it kind of tastes a little raisiny, tobacco-y, cherry cola um to me it has a really good taste and and is is really full of flavor and so that's probably keisha that's probably what they were actually drinking is what that's probably the closest to what we would call cascara today and so that's what they were drinking back then now when you look at uh, ethiopians themselves at that time they were hunter gatherers right and so they would actually crush some of this stuff up and mix it in with like fat and make it into like little balls that they would then take with them, you know, when they went to do their hunting and their gathering. So that's pretty interesting um, because you, you get the caffeine and, you know, you have the calories that you get, you know, in the fats. You know, which is kind of cool. I do find it interesting the uh, the documentation of early Ethiopians actually using the leaves from the the coffee tree to brew tea. I think yeah. it's a little ironic that technically tea was discovered from a coffee plant before coffee itself. 
That's right. Yeah. So that was another way that they used the, you know, coffee bush or coffee tree itself. Uh, And there would be some caffeine in that. Now, they didn't know, they probably didn't know at the time that there was way more caffeine in the um, in the bean. Um, But yes, they they did use the leaf as a tea that they called kuti, um, which was kind of cool. So the next big thing in coffee history is coffee began to be cultivated as a crop in Yemen. Now, this is probably something where the people of Yemen were probably trading things like spices, like cardamom and things like that, for the coffee bean or the coffee cherry or the coffee leaves or all that kind of stuff. And Yemen said, this is legit. Like this, there is something to this, this coffee thing. And so they actually started growing it for commercial production. And that was really the first place that we saw commercial production. And it was not easy. Like they grew it on terraces um, that they had to, you know, like just kind of stair step on these um, little hillsides, just like now we see um, little terraces of like uh, rice fields and things like that in um, China and other parts of Asia. It definitely wasn't easy cultivating coffee at the time. So then they are basically the uh, exporters of this commercialized um, commodity, we'll say at the time. And one of the places that it goes is Turkey. And what they would do in Turkey, and this is probably the closest thing we have to saying, okay, it was probably roasted and ground, was from the get-go, they had uh, Turkish coffee. Have you ever had Turkish? I have, I have. It was a very uh, interesting yet pleasant experience. So did you have it like from a, like, Ibrick um, or like one of those little things that has the handle on it. You know what I'm talking about? I did. I did. Yeah. It was uh, definitely an interesting experience, but of course, with the grounds being left in the bottom, yeah. uh, but typically made with uh, cardamom, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And some sugar. Absolutely. It's uh, definitely uh, one of the more thicker coffee drinks I've ever had. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, if you've ever had Turkish coffee, which what we're talking about is a super finely ground coffee um, and the actual coffee itself stays in the cup at the bottom of the cup. Um, That's what they would have been having in Turkey uh, at that time. Now, when we talk about the roasted bean, Yemen did not want anybody else to grow coffee. And because they had, they had the monopoly on this thing that all of a sudden everybody, the Dutch, the English, like everybody wanted And so they would either dry the coffee, the green coffee, to the point that nobody could plant it, or they would roast it because that did two things. It helped in transportation, and it helped to prevent somebody else from planting it. And so we don't know if if it was actually the Turkish who roasted it the first time or if they just— took the result of the roasting and figured out how to make it into, you know, the drink that we now know as coffee. 
Now, one thing we do know at the time is that coffee and tea were both used by monks and in other religious settings to stay awake in uh, long sessions of prayer well into the night. Uh, They called their drink Kawa, which one of the theories behind the home of coffee's name. Right. That's right. And um, that also, that is where we get that part of that Chaldees myth of taking it to the priest, the monk, however you want to say it and it eventually getting thrown into the fire. But yes, they needed the coffee for energy. And let me say this as a side note. Coffee tasted terrible at this point. Coffee honestly didn't start tasting good, and we'll get into this until I would say probably the 1850s or 1830s to around 1900, and then dropped off again to terribleness until we hit third wave of coffee, um, which we'll get into in the next episode, uh, which is way more recent. Now, from 1550 to the 1700s, pretty much the entire commercial coffee market exists in Yemen itself. That's right. Just about all the coffee coming in and out of the area uh, comes from the port of Mocha itself, which, uh, funny enough, that's where the name Mocha likely comes from. Now, it's hard to find coffee coming out of Yemen today because of civil unrest and the challenges that instability puts on production, as well as trade and export in and out of Yemen. But Yemen isn't the only place that this is an issue. Yeah, and what what we see kind of over the course of coffee history is there are some places that dominate when it comes to coffee export, and then 50 years later, 100 years later, whether that's because leaf rust wiped all their coffee out or they have unstable governments or whatever, um, you know, they disappear. Uh, and so it, it you can get coffee out of Yemen uh, these days, but it's a lot harder. Now, looking forward, Europe started drinking coffee around 1600s. And this is, this is the interesting thing to me, Jonah, is uh, do you know what they were drinking mostly? around that time before coffee hit? No, I I can't say that I do. Okay, so predominantly water and alcohol. And they drank more alcohol than water because the alcohol was safer to drink. Does that make sense? Interesting, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you have have a downer that basically all of the English or all of, we'll say, Europe are, are drinking. Here comes coffee and upper to replace that, and all of a sudden, it's like this fog lifts. You know, they maybe have never seen caffeine or caffeine to this extent, and you eventually then get into, like, the Industrial Revolution, um, you know, when you're looking a little further down the road and stuff like that. This is the time, technically right now, um, that we would call uh, the Enlightenment period or the age of uh, uh, reason. And some would even argue that this age came about because of coffee and and maybe tea, which is kind of cool. So at this point, most of the coffee, we said, potentially is coming from Yemen. There's a lot of pressure on trying to figure out how, how can we get it out and make more of it? Because now people want coffee. And so you have the Dutch who somehow smuggle it out 
and they create a coffee basically backup on the island of Java, which is in Indonesia. That's probably where we get the name Java from. And uh, then from there, it goes, you know, basically if we look at the next 100 years, 150 years to to all around the world. Now, Kenneth, around this time is when the, the myth or legend of uh, Baba Boudin comes about. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so Baba Boudin, he's supposedly this guy who brings coffee from Yemen to India. He's a Muslim man who would have made his pilgrimages to Mecca, which is modern-day Saudi Arabia. And as he would have gone through Yemen, supposedly he smuggled out some seeds. And then coffee was born, basically, in India. Now, that's probably a myth. Probably what it is, again, is people trying to explain how coffee got from one place to another. And honestly, it probably got there from traders. You know, they would try to smuggle it out and get it wherever they can because they wanted to figure out how to produce more because of the demand. You know, we talked about at this point, coffee still tastes terrible. So what people would do is they started putting sugar and milk in their coffee. Uh, the term cafe au lait uh, came out of this period, and they actually had different what they called shades of brown when you were describing your coffee. And one little tidbit, this is where the word cappuccino came from. The color of a capuchin monk's brown tunic is where the name cappuccino came from, which is kind of cool. I didn't know that until recently. Now, around this time is when the idea of a coffee shop uh, really came to be. They they quickly became cultural centers, and one would consider a, a hub of thought, somewhere that could inspire thought through drinking, as you said, an upper rather than a downer, right. a wonderful cup of coffee that's going to energize you uh, rather than a uh, big old pint of beer, which you know might lead to something other than the most educated of conversation. Exactly. And so with these cultural centers, you have people, like you said, having great, deep conversations, wanting to basically conquer the world because now they have caffeine. And so that's where we have stuff like Lloyd's of London uh, or the insurance concept came from. That was from Lloyd's Coffee Shop in London, which is kind of cool. And as coffee made its way around the world, it's it's interesting. Governments tried to ban coffee because it was such the such an inspiring and impactful drink, bringing people together to think. Yeah, they just you know they they didn't. It was new, and so because it was so new, and people don't like change, they tried to ban it, and almost immediately. Anywhere they tried to do that, like it was overthrown, um, like the people would have nothing of it. You can't beat the people's demand for coffee, Kenneth. No, no, you can't. So let's catch you up to where coffee is now being grown. So it's early 1700s and Yemen is still dominant, but you now have Java, which we talked about, and you have Suriname, which was Dutch and is what is now modern day Haiti. And you have more that are coming on 
And as these colonial commercial coffee plantations come on and you have more production, you start seeing the price of green coffee go down. So in the early 1700s, green coffee would have been about $13 a pound. You start seeing mid-1700s, it's about $5 a pound. And by mid-1800s, you're looking at about $2 a pound. So within about 100 years, Jonah, you have coffee that is a delicacy that only the richest can enjoy to literally people on the street selling coffee to everybody. And it's still considered an indulgence, but it's now a affordable indulgence, which is a big step. Let's talk about where America was as far as coffee goes. Um, back in the 1800s, what would we have seen as far as like how coffee is presented, how people consume it, stuff like that, especially in the U.S.? Now, at this point in America, they began importing in green coffee from other countries. And this is where we see Americans start to roast coffee themselves. Right. And when we think about coffee, we almost assume that it comes roasted. But that was not the case when coffee first hit the Americas. And even through, um, you know, the early 1900s, people ordered green coffee and they roasted it themselves. And so when you look at, we'll say, tea versus coffee in the U.S., and obviously for us here in the United States, coffee is more dominant than tea, people say, oh, well, that was probably because of the Boston Tea Party. Well, that is a factor, but more importantly, it was actually wars like the Civil War and then World War One, World War II that I would say had some of the biggest impacts. So while we're here in the 1800s, tell me about uh, coffee in the Civil War. Now, looking at the Civil War, no matter which side you're looking at, coffee was beloved and used to fuel the soldiers of both sides. They all carried green coffee beans with them. And interestingly enough, they didn't have the fancy grinders that we have today in our kitchens. They used the stock of their rifles themselves to grind up the beans and then roast it over a fire. Yeah, that's crazy. And so uh, green beans were in the rations of both the North and the South when we're looking at the Civil War, um, which is kind of cool. And more interesting, and I've got a great, great story to tell you here. You see, when the supply lines were blocked by the North, the people in the South ran out of coffee to roast around the campfire. And so they would substitute things like corn. They would roast corn or chicory or stuff like that, and they would brew that for their coffee. And as an aside to that, when you look at Civil War diaries for both the North and the South, the word coffee comes up more than gun or bullet or anything like that. So it was an important thing for both of these sides. So here's my cool story. So a friend of mine came to me one time and said, hey, did you know that in the Civil War, when they were running low on coffee, they roasted okra seeds? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I looked it up, and sure enough, that one of those things that 
they roasted uh, when they ran out of coffee was okra seeds. So my friend was actually a farmer. He said, I'll get you some okra, dry out the seeds, and let's roast it and see what happens and then brew it. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So I roasted the okra seeds, which are harder than you would think to roast because they're way smaller than a coffee bean. Um, and they, they even can go through the little holes in the drum roaster. And when they got to what we would call first crack, uh, which is something we know in the roasting world, um, they started like exploding, like popping like popcorn, but like exploding. And so it was like pandelirium. Like we, like, like I was ducking, like I didn't know where things were going. I ended up having to unplug uh, the little roaster that I was roasting it on. And so it, it was like, it was crazy there for a little bit. Uh, but it was fun to roast it. Tasted horrendous. Tasted terrible. My gut is probably still recovering years after. But but that's just an example of what they would have used and how badly they wanted coffee, even if it was bad coffee. But talking about bad coffee, I want to tell you about some good coffee. Today, we have Humble Coffee Company. And they only do single origin. They consistently are considered some of the best roasters in the U.S. and they do not cut corners when it comes to quality as far as selecting the green beans and roasting them so that you 101ers at home can have the best cup of coffee. You will be willing to drink it black and they trick you because if you can drink it black then you're going to be healthier long-term. It's going to be better for you, and you're going to be able to get more out of your day. But let's get back to coffee history. I will add, I can personally guarantee Humble Coffee, no matter how you brew it, it will always taste better than okra. <laughs> That's right. That's That should be the hashtag, better than okra. All right, let's get back to talking about the, the Civil War and coffee history. So at home people would have been roasting over a pan. At home, people would have been roasting in a pan over a wood stove. This is actually, Jonah, very similar to how they still do it in traditional uh, coffee ceremonies in Ethiopia, um, where they're, they have an open fire and they're roasting in a pan. From a technical standpoint, roasting, and you know this being a roaster, is you're going to get a very uneven Roast because no matter how you stir those beans in that in that little pan, you're going to get some burnt areas, some you know under roasted areas. But that's also a way that people, if you're trying to do coffee at home, that you can try to roast your own coffee at home. Is you can do it in a pan, and I have done it before. It's not great, uh, but you know it's it's pretty good, um, and it's fresher than a lot of the stuff that you're going to get you know out there in the world. And that's something we'll get into when we hit season two here at Coffee 101 is we'll talk a little more in depth about some of the stuff that what I call, you know, shelf to sip. uh, Some of the things that you can do, especially at home. The 1850s, the Industrial Revolution. At that time, Kenneth, tell me, what did coffee production look like? Well, you know, around this time and same thing with us talking about the Civil War, it was still very intensive as far as like actually the end user producing 
coffee. But things were about to change with the Industrial Revolution, with mass production and what you could potentially do uh, all the way from the farm to the cup completely, completely changed how coffee evolved and eventually where we are today. So Jonah is going to join us next week as we go from the Industrial Revolution and the early 1900s all the way to today. So come back and get the rest of coffee history in just two episodes. So we'll see you next time. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and I was joined today by Jonah Holland with Unfiltered Coffee Company. I just want to thank y'all for listening to the show. We're just trying to get it out to people who are curious about specialty coffee, uh, but you may not know all of the little details. So listen from the beginning and go in order because this is designed to build your coffee knowledge so that you can outpronounce any word that a barista throws at you. And while you're at it, give us a review, subscribe, do all that fancy stuff. Peace out. See you next time on Coffee 101.